there, avid listeners. Hope everyone's having a great day today, and thanks again for tuning into Sin's Workshop. Today, I am joined by my son, who is watching Arthur on PBS at the moment, in case you're wondering if you can hear it in the background. Um, and we're going to be talking about A Curse of Gold today by Annie Sullivan. It's the second book in her duology that retells the tale of King Midas and I have to say I think this one was slightly better than the first novel um not to say that I didn't like the first novel you can check out my review uh I do have a podcast for Curse of Gold as well as a review for Curse of Gold on my website on Sin's Workshop so I think this one is better because it has more Greek mythology to it. There are more Greek gods presented in this story versus the versus the first novel. Um, in the first novel, he, we really only get to see Dionysus, and it's really in passing. You know, he comes to the castle, he gives King Midas his power, and then that's it. Uh, we really didn't get to see a lot of fantastical beings in the first novel other than uh, the temptresses who are kind of like sirens. In this novel, we get to see the temptresses, but there are also satyrs. We get to see Poseidon, his wife. We get to see his kingdom underwater. There's a sea monster. And then we have Triton, Poseidon's son. And we get to see his kingdom and we get to see Dionysus as well. Uh, along with a lot of other fantastical beings. So I thought that was really interesting how Sullivan was able to bring more fantasy to the story. And the first novel, you know, it was really just about Princess Cora kind of finding herself and finding comfort in her own skin. She is cursed with golden skin, so she gets to really be more in this novel. Uh, the first novel is really just her development as a character, and I really do think that Sullivan did a good job developing her character and giving her insight into her condition, into her curse, and into her own well-being, and I really do admire that Sullivan was able to do that with the first novel. I mean, it was a a good adventure story with pirates and some mermaids, if you want to call the temptresses mermaids. But I feel like this novel had more adventure because we're seeing the gods. You get to see this oracle as well. Um, and she has to embark on some trials, you know, Princess Cora, and she gets to learn more about herself. She gets to discover more about herself. She gets to learn her strengths as well as what she really cares about as far as her kingdom is concerned. And she does care deeply about her about her kingdom. You know, she really does care very deeply about her kingdom and about her father. And I like that the story sees a different view of her. She's already coming to herself and she's more extroverted in this 
novel, and I really like that. I like how in the first novel, she's very introverted. Uh, it was really just her coming out of her skin and finding comfort in her skin. And now she has found that comfort. She owns it. She doesn't hide herself behind a veil anymore. And in this novel, she's really more headstrong. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I got, my son kind of gets distracting, and <laughs> so, so does Arthur. I used, I used to love watching Arthur when I was uh, growing up, and you know what? I still do like watching it. Um, I'm, but I'm sorry, <laughs> I got a little spacey there. Uh, Cora, she is much better than she was in the first novel because she's still growing, uh, but she's growing in a different way. It's more of her personality. She's becoming way, way more vibrant. She's becoming way more headstrong. And it's sort of like that scene in the first novel, uh, Her Against the Temptresses, but it's throughout the entire story. And I loved her facing off against the Temptresses. I thought it was amazing how she saved them, her and her cousin. And I want to say this about her cousin as well. I loved her cousin in the first novel because I think Sullivan does a great job of developing her side characters as well. Usually, uh, side characters, they don't really get a lot of development because, well, they're just the side characters. Um, they have, it's not that authors don't keep them from lacking depth and personality, but she really goes from being a little princess to this fierce warrior. And I think I love Cora's cousin uh, a lot because in this novel, she's... She's still really, you know, a lot of the characters are still reeling from the events of the first novel. Uh, she has a lot of sadness, a lot of anger, a lot of got resentment almost. She's very, she, she has all her anger just bottled up. And she's now this fierce warrior. She's sword chained, she wears pants, she wants to explore the world. She's more than just a princess now who's getting weighted on hand and foot. She is a very independent individual, and I really like that. She is a very independent individual. I love that her boyfriend's name is Rat. Um, <laughs> I love that she's... I love that it's... I love that she just has grown so much, you know? I love that... Even in this novel, she's growing some more because she went from being a princess to sort of this warrior type, which this warrior type is based on all her anger. Now she's learning to sort of contend with a lot of this anger and a lot of this guilt and a lot of this sadness that she has. She has so many feelings and keeping them bottled up has just sort of made her so much of an introvert versus the first novel where she was the extrovert. So this is a nice flip of the characters of Princess Cora being the introvert and going into the extrovert and her cousin who's always there by her side now becoming going from being an extrovert to an introvert and 
I thought it was really well done. You know, this nice flip. Because we really get to see how these characters function now, given the events of the first novel. And they raise, it brings a lot of tension to the story as well. Because there is tension between them uh, since the events of the first novel. And I really don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to give anything away because it's essential that you read it. And... I liked how Sullivan didn't forget the events of the first novel and how she allows those events to bleed into the story in order to create the tension and to create the character growth as well. Now, um, as for the story, the pacing, it was well done. You know, it really does keep up a really steady pace. I was reading and reading and reading the story. And it's very engaging because there's way more fantasy to it. You know, I think the the adventure isn't lacking in the story. Just like the adventure wasn't lacking in the first novel. But I think it's more engaging now because there's a little bit more fantasy to it. You know, there's more humor. I mean, Triton is kind of hilarious. <laughs> you know, I really loved him as a character. And he, as well goes on an incredible journey of um, self-improvement and self-love and I think that's great you know I can't say this enough Sullivan does not neglect her side character she gives them a lot of depth she allows them to grow um, and I thought that was so well done you know I think he is great as far as character goes I can't stress that enough. Sullivan is great at her characterization and building up those dynamics between them. So, there's more humor. You know, there's more action as well, a little bit. You get to, th I mean, they write, you know, Pegasus, Pegasi. <laughs> they battle Gorgons. They're facing mythical beasts like satyrs and a guy who can melt things off his skin and a woman who turns into a diamond. I mean, there's so much fantasy to this story, but it fits. It flows into it, and it keeps the story entertaining. It keeps the pacing engaging. You know, it does keep the reader engaged in the story because it really is a thoughtful story. Now, ultimately, I did love it. You know, I really did love it a little bit more than the first novel because I think it, I love all this fantasy. I love how Sullivan is able to take Greek mythology and use it in her own way without tarnishing Greek mythology. Because, you know, I really do, I'm really nitpicky when it comes to Greek mythology. You know, I think myth Greek mythology is great. I just read a story that took Greek mythology and I don't think we told the story justice um, in their own way but the story you know Sullivan did you know she utilized Greek mythology she was able to stay true uh, give her characters personality and create a lot of tension and fantasy and action and adventure I mean it was honestly such a good story I really loved it I definitely think that it's a story worth reading. And at the end, oh, the ending was beautiful. It just, it leaves you with this sense of hope and happiness. 
how everything just kind of wraps up. You know, the characters, they aren't all completely healed from the events of the first novel. Some of them are facing, you know, PTSD, um, depression, you know. They are facing a lot. And at the end of the novel, they're not 100% better. But what I think is interesting is how Sullivan you know she takes these ish these topics like PTSD and depression and anger and she gives depth to the characters you know they're not all okay and they're not even all okay at the end of this novel you know given everything that they're going through but they are learning to be okay you know they are on this journey of being okay and I think that's what's impressive of the story because there's no quick fix to these kinds of issues all you can do is have a support group for you and these characters have really strong support groups you know they have people who care about them who are there for them and never let them go never let them down and they're just there to be that support to help them out and help them cope and that's what I really liked about it you know I, I like the dynamics I like the depth to it so you know this is a curse of gold I'm gonna go ahead and give it four stars by Annie Sullivan I think it really is a great story and one worth one worth reading uh, you can purchase the book on bookshop.org. I highly recommend bookshop.org because a percentage of all proceeds do go to supporting local booksellers. And, you know, if money is tight, which, you know, I know for a lot of us it is, please check out the book from your local library. Definitely deserves to be read. Uh, and. You know, a lot, the libraries are a great resource for the community, um, as Arthur is constantly reminding me. <laughs> and I hope you will support me by liking this podcast and subscribing to it. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. And as always, happy reading.